episode of the Ink Studs is brought to you by House of Ore, Roll20, and Colonial Souls, all co-created by Nolan T. Jones. Nolan is an avid Ink Studs listener and appeared on a few of our book club episodes back in 2011. He'd like for you, his fellow listeners, to know that House of Ore is a fantasy webcomic that's a bit different from its peers due to the way it updates, using reader input that is not just choose your own adventure gimmicks, but instead lightly shapes the background of the world. Roll20 is the most popular way to play tabletop role-playing games online with nearly a half million users. One of Nolan's duties for Roll20 is running the digital artwork marketplace, where he helps distribute creator-owned role-playing content. Finally, Colonial Souls is an upcoming comic Nolan wrote about a dying alien race in need of ghostly spirits to inhabit the eggs of their next generation. This is uh, Ink Studs on the Road in lovely Burbank. This is our second interview of the day at the back of the Moore Deli. 
um, surrounded by a, a mural of many cartoonist drawings. Yeah. Do you have anything on the walls here, Rebecca? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. So permanent. <laughs> <laughs> I like that idea. Um, and I'm talking with Rebecca Sugar, who is the person behind Steven Universe, mm -hmm. as well as uh, a fair amount of Adventure Time episodes. And your roots are in mini comics. Mm -hmm. uh, thanks for joining us today, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. Now, um, I'm trying to say this without sound patronizing, but you're still pretty young. Um, jumping into animation, so I'm wondering about like, was animation something you always wanted to be? Because you did mini comics, or did comics, and so it was like comics first, and then animation just kind of jumped up. Um, oh, I always wanted to do both, um, and I think early on, I didn't really have the means to animate, and comics was a way to just get my ideas out faster. Also, I love comics. I think there there are things that you can do uh, in comics that you can't you can't do in animation, and so they're like really exciting in a different way. Like, because um, in animation, time is literal, and you know you can you can do you can get very specific with what you're trying to explain right. with animation, but the way that time is abstract in a comic, and the way that time is based off composition, is one of my favorite things to like play with um, you can't you can't do that in animation so I, I, I've always liked to try and do both uh, I went to college to study animation because I couldn't I didn't really have the means to do it on my, on my own so I figured well I'll just keep doing comics on the side and, and I'll study animation so um, and I would try and take what I learned about just draftsmanship from animation and and movement and see how I could translate that into composing a comic page uh, where did you go to school School of Visual Arts in New York. Oh, cool. Yeah, I, I loitered around there a lot. <laughs> so when, when were you going there? Um, up till 2009. Okay. So it's interesting because did you, were you aware of, of say, like Tom Herbert's work and other people? Oh, yes. Of them graduating from the school? I was a massive fan of Tom's. I think, yeah, I think we all are. I, I, got, <laughs> I, I got his comics at SPX nice. um, when I was a teenager. I found them. I found them in the back of, or in one of... The Meat House issues, mm -hmm. the Labyrinth comic, I think was my first exposure oh, to Tom's uh, work. And I think it was actually missing, I think there was a problem with my copy, it was actually missing its final page. I think that was all of the copies. <laughs> yes, right? yeah. because when I finally got, um, I believe it's in Gondwanathon, yeah. um, I finally saw the ending. But the fact that it wasn't there, I mean, I was always mesmerized by that comic. Uh, I mean, and, and the way that, that it the, ends is fascinating too. I mean, I, I never stopped. I thinking, there's the one, so it's, uh, that's a comic so good because it shows both, they're, they're, so it's just two Minotaur characters against a black background and they're just talking about their lives and uh, they're, they're just naked and, and talking about the, the maze and he gives you such a feeling of their lives with no, it's like a one woman show or something. Of comics, and, and there's one panel that I always think about that cracks me up, where the male minotaur just gets a huge super erection, erect, yeah, for no reason, and then just continues. Yeah, she just oh. she doesn't really notice yeah. either. Super interesting. <laughs> so was that something that? Um, what what were you looking at before before you were in school, and like what do you remember the early stuff that got you into comics and animation? Um, well, growing up, uh, I mean, my dad is a fan of animation, oh, and cool. so growing up, we watched. He showed us like a lot of Looney Tunes. He had all the Looney Tunes on Laserdisc, and mm -hmm. we would just watch them over and over again. 
and he liked Japanese stuff too, so, too, so I'd seen some anime that when I was sort of too young to really know that it was anime. Um, I feel like, so I really, uh, <laughs> um, I was really into Looney Tunes, honestly. Nice. Um, and just, just like old, old animation and Fleischer, uh, old Fleischer cartoons, old Popeye cartoons. I, I think because of my dad, I always knew that there was a technical side to right. it. Right, that that's so classy and old. There was, so there's nothing that was like on TV that was just the... Oh yeah, I mean that stuff too. I, anything that was animated, I, I, I oh, liked. I loved The Simpsons. I loved, I loved whatever I could get my like, hands it on. Be, would I be correct to assume that Steven Universe has some Sailor Moon in it? Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's a little more Utena than okay. Sailor Moon. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's definitely some of that stuff. Nice. Um, I'm a really big fan of Utena. Uh, and I've seen, I actually haven't seen as much Sailor Moon as I think a, a lot of people have, so I, I don't right. uh, but, um We got an embarrassing conversation where I outed how little I know about Sailor Moon to someone the other day. <laughs> so were you drawing pretty heavily from really young? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, me, me and my brother, uh, our parents were really encouraging of, of just of drawing. Oh, right, your brother Stephen. Yeah, my brother Stephen. What's the age difference with you guys? Three years. He's three years younger than me. Oh, cool. Um, and we drew a lot of comics together. And his comics are great, too. Yeah. Was he around when you were in art school as well? Was he, like, were you, was he in New York? He went to, he went to RISD. Okay. Um, but we both were in, like, the same painting program uh, back when we were in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, so we sort of studied art together. It was a little bit of a, a time difference. But, um, but yeah. His, his comics are great. And he was always more technical than me. He drew a lot of like Star Wars ships. He was really right. good at technical drawing. I drew a lot of characters. And now he's doing background art for the show. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of, it, it feels exactly the same in a lot of ways. There's something really cool about the idea of you guys like hanging around and being kids and drawing together and then professionally, you know, being adults and drawing together. Yeah. It's, Does it maintain that feeling of just like, you know, drawing with crayons in your parents' living room or whatnot? Um, sort of, in the sense that I, I think, you know, he'll, I mean, he, his drawings are crazy good, uh, he'll, like, he'll, and I, I, we don't, I don't get to see him, honestly, that much, because I'm running around, because <laughs> um, uh, I'm running around all the time, and, uh, but, you know, every once in a while, he'll be like, oh, I just finished this, and I'll run over, and I'll be like, oh my gosh, that's so good, uh, and it, that, that's pretty similar, he was, he was always really good, it was always, Nice. And I, you know, I would give him, like, we would brainstorm ideas together, and so we still do that for ideas for the show. Were you getting, were you getting much feedback when you're doing your early mini comic work? Like, was it something that you felt the need to distribute, or were you doing? Was there stuff that you just did for yourself before that? Um, I didn't, I didn't feel like the early stuff was really good enough. I always wanted to know, like, you know, when will this be good enough to be a comic that could actually be published? Okay. So I figured I'll sort of do it myself, and I'll take it to people. And then I'll ask what they think, and then I'll try and take that, and, and then the next one will be better. Maybe the next one will be good enough. That's a nice self-deprecating thing where I feel like I had the experience where I was like, I'm way too good to be doing stuff now, and then now I look back at it, and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> I should not have been holding a pencil then. Mm. Did you have any particular uh, comic teachers at SVR, or did you take animation? Yeah, was Massa Kelly there then? Um, I think so, but I took, I took all animation classes. Okay. Everything I learned about comics I learned from trading books with people, um, and I got lots of great advice. Um, I remember uh, Eric Larson was the one that told me that my perspective was awful, 
<laughs> it was actually, it's in this. It's um, interesting because I've, lately on Twitter, I've actually seen Eric Larson talking about how much he likes Kirby's messed up perspective. <laughs> well, I had um, Dennis Kitchen tell me my perspective was horrible, and rather really? than taking it as good advice, I just decided he was dead to me and never read the book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, because my perspective was wonderful. It was in this book. I'm, uh, my, some this of my mark. some of my old comics are right in front yeah. of me here. Uh, these down shots. This is. I had this. I gave this to Eric Larson, and I had these down shots, and you can see stars. And he said, "You can't see the sky when you're looking down." This could be city lights. <laughs> there's one. There's there's one in here in particular. It's really it's a really egregious, definite down shot. So, did you grow up in New York? Because reading reading these early comics, it definitely feels very New York. Um, I grew up. Well, I grew up in Maryland. Okay. Um. This was this was one too. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I always loved the thought of living in New York, and then I got to. So, um, was it was it like you thought it would be? I, I guess so. I, I, I didn't get out much. I think it never stopped being what I thought it would be because I only ever. It feels like I was still imagining it even when I was doing it. Oh, that's I was awesome. mostly inside. <laughs> um, but eventually, I, I got out a little more and more. Um, so who were your animation teachers at school there? Um, I think um, the most influential one was this teacher, Matt Sheridan, who was mm -hmm. my freshman animation teacher. And also his, the TA of that class was Ian Jones-Cordy, who's now the supervising director on the show. Oh, and he cool. taught a lot of the people that are on my show. We were all sort of in that class together. Hmm. And which show? On, um, on Steven. Okay. Uh, but um, he, was, he was just really tough, and he had no tolerance for... Um, <laughs> you know, boring things. Oh, that was really inspiring to me. It was, uh, if people were there, they were just gonna, you know, if you wanted to be an animator doing the kind of animation that already existed, or if you wanted to make something animated, but there was no reason to make it animated, you weren't doing anything interesting with it, huh. he would just sort of be like, well, what is the point? That's interesting. Because um, it, it seems like, at least the people that I know that are on the Steam Universe staff are just some of the nicest people. <laughs> You know, you have Lamar Abrams and uh, I don't Helen, know, Helen Joe. Helen Joe is Angie. Angie Wayne. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm just like yeah, I just ran to her the hall and she made me hug her. She made me and Robin do. Yeah, a we had to hug. do a group hug. Yeah, <laughs> that was interesting. Yeah, I mean, Brandon and I don't hug each other very often. <laughs> no, only when Angie forces us to. But yeah. um, I suppose we should we should lead up to more of the the Steven Universe stuff. Um, yeah, like. Uh, how long were you done with, like, did you graduate SVA? Mm-hmm. And how soon after that did you start working on Adventure Time? There's like a half a year in between. I interned at a lot of places. Oh, wow. Um, and eventually I, I got to take the storyboarding test for Adventure Time. And and did I, you know anyone on the show before then? I did. I knew, um, well, I knew Phil Renda, mm -hmm. and he had graduated from SVA, and he came, um, he came to talk at the school, and I gave him I gave him some of my comics because nice. he had, he had said something some a nice thing to me online, um, and I, he didn't he didn't know that I was a student there. So he mm -hmm. when I gave him this stuff, he was very confused uh, okay. as to who I was or what it was. And um, but then I ended up getting to work with him on the on the show. Oh, that's awesome! Great. Yeah, when 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 me and Tom were hanging out there, it was, James Jean was one of the students there, and some of those weird daunting things where people were like, oh, he's a student. <laughs> I, always, I, always, 
I was wondering kind of the shadow that those guys cast. Did you, at being at SBA, was there a lot of talk of former students there? Yeah. Well, I, I um, took figure drawing with Stephen Gaffney, who mm -hmm. also who taught James Jean. So there's a lot of talk. <laughs> yeah. He's another very, very um, severe teacher, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, I, I loved Gaffney. Mm -hmm. um, I loved Stephen. Um, he was great. And he just the amount of respect he had for the the models and, and just the way that you should approach drawing a model and that the way that you feel about that person, sort of the respect you have for that person should be in part of your drawing that you're doing. Interesting. Uh, he would always get really mad if people were listening to music or, uh, which I thought is, is funny because when you come out here and you see sort of California style life drawing, uh -huh. it's always like there's a movie playing and there's music playing and people are in you know costumes and it's like mm. the complete opposite of just like you know you're gonna sit down and you're gonna look at this person you're gonna understand yeah what is so amazing about how their body works uh -huh. which I love that philosophy because um, it's just it's the truth do you take time to do um, drawing like that at all now like outside of animation oh I really wish I haven't had much time to go and do figure drawing but I, I love doing it um, and I, me and Tom and, and Phil on Vegetarian, we were always trying to figure out ways to be able to do more of that stuff. Um, but I, I'll still draw, like, I'll try, I'll try and draw for fun, but sometimes it'll always just oh, really? come back around to the like, show characters. So where, where was Adventure Time at when you, when you started? Do you remember what your first episode was? Yeah, I was doing revisions on some of the season one stuff. Oh, wow. Um, very early. It was Marceline's Henchman was where I first started drawing a lot of Marceline. Oh, nice. Um, Which became a really big, almost like, like you know, for a while you were like the Marceline border, right? Uh, At least that's what it felt to me. Tom did a lot of really amazing. Yeah, with, yeah. Uh, Tom and Akko did some, uh, Jesse. I mean, everyone did amazing Marceline I just think stuff. of that, I that, that episode where, where um, who worked on that one with you? The, the episode where Marceline, where it's revealed her relationship with the Ice King? Uh, oh, Cole. I mean, Cole. Okay. And there's a lot of Adam Mudo all over nice. that. Too. And, and you write music as well, right? Mm hmm. So, a lot of the, the songs in that episode are around Marceline, yeah. were you? Yeah. I think me and Cole teamed up on some of Ice King's lyrics. That was super fun because he really relates to Ice King and I really relate to Marceline. So, yeah. we were basically just sort of talking to each other oh, that's and awesome. then trying to, trying to tie it down. Um, it, was, it was super fun working with Cole. It was amazing working with Adam too. Yeah, you guys did such fantastic work on that stuff. Do you do you feel like you get the same kind of creative fulfillment out of doing both animation and comics? Oh, it's completely different. Um, it's really different. So, does it make you feel like you have to do both all the time, or um, are you able to do comics at all? These I'm days? I'm not, and it, I feel like I'm sort of not doing anything. So that's a, that's a big outlet me. Yeah, we were talking about the danger of kind of getting on a show of your own after you're a boarder or something on something else. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, like Penn has so much less time to do actual Adventure Time boards. And I imagine with Steven Universe, you're so busy coordinating the entire thing. It's harder to to get involved in it. Do you feel like the trade-off is worth it? Yeah, well, it's a really different task, I mm -hmm. think. Uh, you know, it making the show is more like building the house that people will then live in and do the thing right. that was fulfilling was fulfilling to me. Uh -huh. I now I have to make the place for it to be that for other people, which means it's 
not right. for me. It's so like, it's almost like paying forward what the Adventure Time guys did to you to to help you feel like you had a cool creative outlet. Yeah, I, I try to, and I learned so much from Penn. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's the crew makes the show, and yeah, I I try to make sure that the crew can make the show. Because um, were you aware, like starting at Adventure Time, what unique, how uniquely different it is from you know your standard animated show? Um, yeah, I mean, I could feel it. I, I hadn't really worked on, I'd worked as an intern on other animated shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way in which it was storyboard driven, it was something I didn't really know uh, still existed. So, you know, I knew it was really special. I kind of couldn't believe that not only was a show still being made that way, and it's all it was all still being drawn on paper. Yeah. Um, but on top of that, Penn wanted us to really do what we wanted to do and I mean I, I still can't believe I got to do that it was, <laughs> it was so great and I, I want to I just thought if I can keep that alive into the future that's how cartoons are supposed to be made I, yeah. all of my <laughs> um, <laughs> all of, of my um, obs- obsessive fandom of, of cartoons in a traditional sense I mean mm-hmm. it was it's still alive you know you put the stuff up on the wall and you pitch it and you do the song and dance it's like it's like a hundred years ago it's the same yeah so it's amazing it's gotta continue to be that way and it's 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 hard to do it that way because you know it's a lot of it's a it's just a conversation that just doesn't stop you know yeah. everyone needs to be talking to each other about what the whole thing is going to be and making it you, you get to make it the best version of what it could be so it's like you know, you just can't, you can't stop, you can't let up, it could be better. Yeah, it, it was a really weird experience for me, because I'm boarding an Adventure Time episode right now for the first time, and and just the idea of doing the rough, and then having this room full of, you know, probably some of the the artists who I have the most respect for, <laughs> just like, read, having the rough read through, read through to them, it's like almost a daunting, embarrassing task. <laughs> did, did you have any of that, or was it, was it to feel more like, uh, like you're among friends? Yeah, oh, I mean, it's it's always, especially if you're an, an artist, a comic artist, or, or an animator, I mean, we're, I think we tend to be pretty introverted people, uh, I definitely am, oh, yeah. uh, and so to have it be part of your job to pitch your ideas, and to have the, like, level of enthusiasm, enthusiasm with which you pitch those ideas directly relate to whether or not they will stay and exist and oh, get finished. Yeah that the pressure of that is so intense so it's like you know i don't i don't want to be in front of people putting on a show that's why i do this so i don't have to ever ever be in that position i can just i can make it and it's done and it's you know it's a book and i can hand it to you and that's what i mean uh but i can't i can't you can't finish this without pitching it right You, you know it won't become that unless you can explain it and and i imagine you've had to become a fairly public face for the work that you do especially Steven Universe now. Yeah. It's, uh, it's having to go to Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. You, do you get any joy out of that, or is it all difficult? Um, it's, it's a really uh, stressful part of it. But it, it's, I mean, I'm talking about cartoons, so I think w- whenever it comes back to that, yeah. I'm just, you know, I love, I yeah. love talking about cartoons, and then it becomes easy. Um, and... And if I if I'm like, sometimes I'll I'll sing stuff that I wrote, 
which is really strange because I never really thought I'd be doing stuff like that. But at least it's you know it's done and it's a full thought, and I know if I start it and I finish it, right? Did you, it'll did be you what ever it was perform your music? Yeah, well, I've done it at Comic Con. Oh, she'll bring like a ukulele up. Oh, that's really yeah. cool. Um, I'm, I'm doing this. <laughs> Just so for the listeners, no, it looks like I'm holding a large ukulele. I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I caught a fish. I thought, but there we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's interesting because there's there are a fair amount of cartoonists that do both music and was that something that growing up kind of went hand in hand with you or was it? Yeah, well, I used to play the hammer dulcimer, which was like a, a very sort of tough instrument to carry mm-hmm. around and um, I would try and compose little things. It's a very uh, improvisational sort of, I, I learned Irish music on Hammer Dulcimer, which is oh, nice. sort of open to a lot of uh, interpretation. And, um, and was, your, was, your, was your father also influential in you getting into music? Uh, yeah, I, I suppose so. I mean, they were, uh, my parents were always super encouraging of anything anything creative. My, my dad's a graphic designer and my mom is a, nice. is a modern dancer. And I could never uh, dance because uh-huh. I, was, I was too shy. So it was sort of like everything else I kind of gave a shot. Right. I wanted to do music. Uh, I tried to play violin when I was little, but the frets, I had a violin, I was like five, and the frets got caught in my hair uh-huh. and it traumatized me. So I didn't want to play violin anymore. Uh, I tried to, and I did hammer dulcimer and I did piano and uh, the thing about ukuleles is so it's so ridiculously easy right. and portable that, and so then I would just sit around and um, write little little songs with my friends, usually about comics, comic artists, really dorky <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I wrote a, I wrote a song about about Corey Lewis <laughs> that I would sing oh, with my friends. That is that is amazing. Um, uh, Corey should never hear this ever. No. That would be a little bit too. Exactly. Yeah, he, I feel like he's probably the younger the slightly younger generation's version of Paul Pope, like hmm. young handsome dude with but um Alaska perform that later. <laughs> are you are you is it does it hit you often how incredibly big and influential the stuff that you're doing is on 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 people now? It's uh, I mean it, it's, it's gigantic, not <laughs> it's yes, because it will it's so strange because I, I don't like I'll think about it, and I know I know that it's like that because that's how cartoons were to me. Mm-hmm. So I know that it's a serious thing, and, and that people will pour over it because I I did that. But then it also feels strange. It also feels vain to think, oh, it's just going to really matter. Um, you know, this is really important. Uh, like, and I also know I should I should I need to like cool it and take a step <laughs> back and not worry about the gravity of, of it so much because it's just it's really intense but it's hard not to think about because the cartoons were meant everything to me yeah i poured over everything at the way you know someone said one line of dialogue would stick with me and i would repeat it a million times to everyone and think about it constantly and and you know and now i'm sitting in these records you know with, with my actors and they'll say something once yeah. and I'll be like this you know every second is like something that is just going to reverberate yeah. forever and I it has to be good and the, the drawings have to be perfect and the uh, animation has, has to be good <laughs> which is funny because when we walked in the room here we're in, a, we're in a, a diner that has drawings by animators all over the walls and I, and I asked you if you had any drawings in the walls and you're like no that's too permanent yeah, that's just, just it would be one more thing. Yeah, one more thing to worry about. You've got drawings on the minds of, of children <laughs> across the world. 
Um, it's, yeah, it's very Which I'm, I'm really interested in seeing what, what your work and what the work of, of you know, Penn and Tom and Jesse and all the other guys working on this is really going to do to the next generation of artists. Well, I, th I think now there's so many... I mean, what I love about a board-driven show is just how visible these different artists are. Yeah. You know, and, and I, you know, I found Tom's work at SPX and it, and it stuck with me for, forever, that, that Labyrinth comic. You know, I couldn't stop thinking about it. When but did you first meet Tom? When I came to work on the show. Oh, cool. I was very so nervous. Did you move to LA pretty quickly from getting involved with the show? Um, oh, yeah. I, when I got the job, I had to move right out. Oh, okay. Um, and then I was... That must have been exciting, too. Yeah, it was... Um, was well, I was really happy to have a job. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was it like the year? Cause what, there was a year after school before this? Yeah, like half a year. Okay. Um, were you doing... What, were, what, did you have to do a bunch of just shitty jobs and looking for things during that time? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I tried... I tried out for a bunch of jobs I didn't get. I tried to work at um, a flower store in Midtown. It was very fancy. <laughs> um, I, didn't, I didn't get it. Uh, I interned at Augenblick. I interned at World the Leaders. The Dutch publisher? Um, oh, no, the, uh, the studio that they once did Super Jail. Oh, okay. okay. Um, I'm thinking I didn't intern on Super Jail, though. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> it was a Dutch publisher um, with a very similar name. Yeah, I interned on, on Venture Brothers before okay. that. Um, I, I tried out for Venture Brothers, too. Uh, Tom did, too. They turned down Tom. Yeah, which is always, like, that was my thing. I was like, like, me and Tom and Harold Arnpool all tried out at the same time. Uh-huh. And, oh. and I was like, I didn't get it. And they are like, oh, Tom didn't get it. And I was like, oh, they're not even looking for anything. I care about that. Uh, well. Now, doing Steven Universe, um, how many years have you been working on Adventure Time before you start? You were able to put together your own pitch. Oh, I've been there. I think I'd done like two seasons. I'm not sure how long. I, maybe it was a little over a year. Um, and I was doing both for a while. Um, like when I was doing Incendium, that's when I started working on the pitch. And I went over and I worked on Hotel Transylvania for a, a very short amount of time, but that was great because I got to learn from Genny Tartakovsky a little bit. Oh, nice. Um, and just he would he would take my boards and he would just draw on top of them and, and fix them and it's it's insanely educational. <laughs> oh, that um, sounds awesome. I, I have a tendency to overcomplicate everything, and he just and pen too. I, and that's the thing I think I the best learning thing about this whole learning experience is that you you start to figure out the path of least resistance to the best clarity of drawing. Mm -hmm. You know, like oh nothing. You can never say too much about a good silhouette. <laughs> it's it's everything. You know, you only have a fraction of a second to understand what you're looking at with these things. Right. Uh, so just you know, put two people in profile, make them look at each other, make their faces distinct enough from each other that you could tell hmm. who's who and, and what they're looking at and where what they're looking up or down. Uh, clarity is never not the answer. Huh. Thanks. But I like ambiguity too. I don't know. That, that's right. Almost so maybe it's a balance. Ambiguity in in storytelling or, or in or in the kind of story. Because I imagine clear storytelling with talking about uh, 
amb an ambiguous story would be almost the ideal and almost what your work feels like to me. Oh, well, I love, I love that stuff. I guess that's the thing, because I'm really interested in ambiguity. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really interested in, because I think that's the point where it becomes an interactive experience, like a piece of art. You know, if there's something that just, the thought isn't finished, that's where it becomes this conversation where it's like, well, what is this? Like, what does this mean? And you're not telling people what to think. Like, they have to finish that thought, oh, yeah. and then it's theirs. But then, I think like anything, like, like, like straight lines and curved lines, you need extreme clarity to make that ambiguity deliberate. Right, so um, people know that you mean to not tell them something. Exactly, uh, and that is, I think that's the most interesting challenge especially with animation because animation is expected to be clear and shallow uh, and, and sort, of, sort of to the point. And, and if, if things are ambiguous, it's almost always a mistake. And there are actually really interesting things that, that happen by mistake. Like there's this thing, do you know in the episode of The Simpsons where um, it's a flashback and, and Homer, Marge's dress has been torn mm -hmm. by Artie. And Homer goes and he puts he ties it back up together with this with this flower, uh -huh. uh, and he fixes it. And she kind of makes that sound that she makes it like. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was watching that not that long ago, and she doesn't she doesn't look happy, but then at the very end of that scene, her mouth pops into a smile, and for the first time I looked at that, and I you know I've I've done enough from start to finish. Uh, finalizing these episodes, I'm yeah. like, that is an animation mistake. That's an animation mistake. She was supposed to smile. And she doesn't smile. She just looks tired. And uh -huh. it, that scene, I always remember that scene because it's so strange and loaded. It's just like, she's just done. She's done with dealing with this. And Homer's just there. It's like, Homer is there. Yeah. And I guess it'll just be him because he's there. Uh -huh. She was supposed to smile, though. I swear it. <laughs> she was supposed to smile, and it changes the meaning of everything. It would have been right. very straightforward. Homer's there and he's and he's sweet to her and she appreciates that and instead it comes off like Homer's there and she's just kind of done. <laughs> I just thought it was, I don't know for sure if that was a mistake but if it was I think that's one of those places where this accidental ambiguity added a, a huge amount of interesting sort of meaning or non-meaning to this scene. Right. You can You can read into it endlessly because it isn't really telling you what's going on in her mind. Mm -hmm. I love that kind of stuff. I try to do it on purpose awesome. all the time. Right. But um, sometimes it happens and it's not on purpose. I think most of the time when it happens, it's often not on purpose. And do, you, do you often have an idea of what, what's going on emotionally in the scene? And just, or like, this is what I'm trying to convey? Or, is it, or, or do you kind of let your subconscious throw some ideas around and just let, you know, draw what, what feels right? Oh, hmm. I think I usually know what I want to get at. Mm -hmm. um, and I try, I try to make it very character-based, so I think we always really try and sit down and talk together, like me and everyone on mm -hmm. my team. Like, you know, what is, what is everyone thinking here? Like, what is the best, most sort of most natural way that that can come out? Right. Um, I think we don't... We'll do, it'll be stream of consciousness in the sense that if you can sort of get yourself in these characters' heads and then just sort of follow this feeling through, that that's a stream of consciousness. Mm -hmm. um, but I think our, our goal tends to be to make sure that everyone is themselves and then just sort of see where they go. And we don't really know what 
is going to happen like like narratively we sort that's sort of the path that we're following but it's kind of like what's going to change these people the most and uh what's what's going to create conflict for them and then who how are they going to be different when they come out right. of that and then in that sense it's like it's like a stream of consciousness but we have a, a i guess the boat <laughs> right totally. do you feel like you're pulling um emotional uh, ideas from your from your own life and from personal experience. Oh yes. As you mentioned before, on uh, you know the Marceline the Dice King thing, which is really relating different characters. It is like are the are the different characters in Steven Universe aside from just Steven? Are they all coming from from your own life? Oh, definitely. Is, is everything autobiographical that, that you do uh, to a certain point? It's not. It's not autobiographical because it's very. It's a very abstract mm-hmm. s- situation, and the characters are very abstract. Um, but it's like uh, they're all I think that they started as sort of different versions of me but then everyone is sort of like one of these one of these things leans a little towards one of the characters or another at least with the gems they're sort of I try to think of them more like ideologies Mm -hmm. Um, so I think pretty quickly everyone on the crew sort of tell like oh this oh well you're you're obviously Pearl, so you'd know what she would do, you yeah. know, or you're obviously Amethyst because, you know, you can just tell when people write them that yeah. it's like, oh, you get, you get that way of being. And then they, they grew and they changed. They're actually a lot, they've grown to be a lot like their actors, too. Oh, interesting. When we were doing a little tour of the studio, we stopped by Lamar, one of the storyboards for a show, and he was talking about, he, he works with Helen Joe, uh, both, like, incredible talents, and he was talking about how... Um, it seems like everyone's very like pick specifically for that show. Like people are great teams, they work well together. And I'm wondering about like for yourself, like you have your own show and kind of picking that team. It's almost like a fantasy baseball thing in a way. Yeah, I, I mean, I think too. I thought about that a lot because for me, working with a storyboard partner, you know, was incredible. I and mean, I got to work with Adam Mudo for the first few seasons on Adventure Time. And I'd, I'd never, it was also sort of my first job, but it, it was, it's such a creative job. And, it's, and you're in a room with, with this person all day. All you're doing is, is talking about the story and what you want it to be. Um, and it's like, it's a, it's a relationship. It's like, uh, you know, it's, it's not just like, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't be the same. Mm-hmm. It should be everything a healthy relationship should be. You know, that you can learn from each other and that you're different, but, you know, you complement each other's sensibilities. And um, you challenge each other probably, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and me and Adam were super different. His, his drawings are so tight and decisive. Um, he's, so, he's so precise. He's so organized. And I am a mess. Like, uh, my drawings were soup. And I, it was so inspiring to see him work, and he knew how things needed to be in this very technical way. And I wanted to sort of just pour every, all this, everything I'd wanted to do in a cartoon. I suddenly had this chance to try and pour into this thing, but you know, it was just, it was just sort of all coming out, all coming out. And Adam just knew how to get this thing to be right in a way that I just had, had no sense of. Um, so I just learned learned everything. Uh, so. I think the project of making a show, you know, in the way that it felt like building a house that people would then live in, is also, you know, how 
I want people to, to have to do that and have that and it, for it to be like that. And um, do you I think about that in relation to both the, uh, the audience and the creators? Because um, I imagine there's so many kids kind of building their uh, kind of back row saying about about the influence on it. It's you know there's there's always going to be people that that put so much of their kind of hopes for what they want to do with their artistic careers and their favorite shows and things like that. Um, do you feel any? Do you think at all about the responsibility of? <laughs> is it a terrifying concept? Of, uh, explain to me what you it's mean. It's kind of the responsibility of like, of how much you can talk about and how cool it is that you can kind of plant these seeds in in, in people's minds to to what's, you know, because because in Adventure Time a lot of things that you were doing the other guys were doing was adding emotional depth to something that the viewers are not used to getting that kind of emotional depth from or uh-huh. does it uh, I don't know I keep going back to just the idea of a responsibility of things but almost just yeah I think well I mean I, fe- I feel it I guess it's hard to think about how it's how it's going out because I feel it so personally mm-hmm. like just the responsibility to make the stories more interesting and, right. s- and to say you know if you have a cartoon you can do this you can do anything it's not a genre, it's a medium. Mm-hmm. Um, there's really no limit. If, if, you can, if you can think of something you can do with this uh, and it's not wildly inappropriate, you can find <laughs> right. a creative way to say what you want to say. Or even, it, it's kind of amazing the things that are wildly inappropriate that <laughs> still are, <laughs> are passed off and, and still, like the ideas that you can imply in everything are always. Yeah. Um, I was I mean, thinking about Dragon Ball is like so much more made for kids than the stuff that was done in the Western stuff because there's so many like penis and poop jokes and just like stealing underpants jokes and they would never do that in and I don't know Denver the Last Dinosaur or whatever that I grew up on. Uh huh. <laughs> right. Um, well, now there's now there's so many more ways to just find that stuff <laughs> anyway. Yeah, <certainly. laughs> uh, I think. I don't know the, especially now like there's there's so much great stuff out there just how do you do something that's that good yeah that's yeah that is a well you've done full seasons done of Steven the first season or um, still going so, still going <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering about the learning curve of coming from being distorted order to being like in charge of so many things. Um, oh, it's to- it's totally different. Yeah, it's totally different. Um, Is it something that do you feel like you're in the Pen Ward Club now, where you can you can talk to him about it? And yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's been he's chatted with me about it, and you know, I mean, because there, there's so much when you're boarding, you can just think about stories, but. Show running, it's it's everything. It's down to these little technical things. You're combing through the animation you're getting back, making sure that nobody's eyeballs pop off for two right, frames. Right, people smile the right times and don't don't pull a marge. Yes, it's um, <laughs> it's it's like um, it's it's strange because you're doing things that are so broad. You're thinking about huge story arcs you want to have and just global ideas and 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 what you want to say to children mm-hmm. and and how you're going to do that and checking on every. Uh, board at every stage, and it's like, is this, you know, is this what everyone would do? Is this what, what you want to say? Is this as interesting as? Oh, 
can be. <laughs> um, is, this, is, this, is there something we can do to this to make right. it even cooler? And um, I'll jump in sometimes and I'll draw little chunks of things where I'm just like, oh, I just really want them to make this face. Exactly right. Uh, yeah, and... and uh, Does it force you to kind of psychoanalyze yourself when you're, when you're putting something out towards children? To kind of like... Because there's certain things and themes in your work that or not necessarily in your work, but in, in somebody's work that when you're dealing with being a human being, mm. that, that might not, I don't know, like in my work, I, don't, I couldn't say if everything that I want to talk about or need to talk about is the healthiest thing to throw out in the world, but for me, it's necessary. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I try to really make that part of the show. I, a lot of what I want to do with it is, because there's something about childhood that is so, how do I describe this? You're so, you don't know anything, mm -hmm. but you're surrounded by everything, and it feels a way that nothing feels when you, later. Right. You know, it, um, there's this world, and, and you're, you know you're going to participate in it, but you're not yet, but you are. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like when I was young, I was so aware that I didn't know anything, but that it, everything was there. Oh. And I really try to make that uh, part of the, that's the feeling, that, that's the thing I want to explore with ambiguity and with a cartoon, the la just the whole language of a cartoon, you know, ha it's not supposed to be complicated, mm -hmm. you know, but I mean, like, like when you're young, you know, you're supposed to have this sort of simple existence, but but it's not because you can see that everyone around you is going, like, like there's like a point where you realize, oh, other people are having s these adult experiences that I don't know what that is, right. but I'm looking at it, it's happening, I, I, I'm seeing people talk about it on television and mm -hmm. movies, and, and whatever that is, I, I'm really interested in it, but it's not, is it something that could even ever happen to me? Like, you mm -hmm. don't know. Um, it's, I mean, I'm really interested in, like, sublime artwork, sort of, uh, just artwork that suggests a larger artwork that you can't see. Okay, right. And to me, childhood has everything to do with that. Because mm -hmm. that's, when you are, you're like this little, you're not done. <laughs> <laughs> and so you I know like that. that. So in, in the idea of, of artwork that implies a lot, do you feel like you kind of have to, well, I've heard it described as like uh, a tree where you, you only see half the tree, but the root system is just as big as a tree. Do you feel like you have to do a ton of work when you're doing writing? that isn't seen? Yeah, oh yeah. We write like two shows and mm -hmm. then we make one. Right. Um, and it, it's really fun. <laughs> yeah. uh, one, one of the shows, it can't, we couldn't make it the show. Right. Yeah, but then, you know, the other show, it's, it's periphery of the show. I think a lot of times I think of this more as the, as the sequel to the show that happened to Stephen's father, mm -hmm. because his show is a very interesting show, and then it made Stephen right. a very complicated uh, thing that happened. Uh -huh. You know, we we really try and figure out that, and then and then part of me part of me gets like the most intense middle school feelings where you're like, oh, but this is actually the sequel to the story of my other fantasy characters, but no. though they have a child. You know? <laughs> Everybody wants to. Everybody wants to do that thing. And are you still playing off of the work that you were doing when you were a kid? 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's 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 a mix of all that stuff. I had like when I was little, I read like a fantasy novel. It was all like goddesses and sparkling dust and uh-huh. uh, monks and all sorts of silly powers, light powers and water powers and all these kind of stuff. Yeah, I just really loved that kind of stuff. Right. It's like the same thing. I'm just doing it now. Do you find, um, or do you have, how do you feel um, as much of your kind of artistic intentions you're able to get through with Steven Universe? Like, is it pretty pure as far as like really what you envisioned is getting out there? Is it getting somewhat filtered? Um, it's in at times it's pretty pure, and I th- but I think it's also it's hard to say pure because it's not it do, it's not it doesn't really exist until it's finished because mm-hmm. it's so collaborative. Um, the thing you know there is there is no pure. There's only the thing that, that happens when everybody's just like on yeah on their a game and and all the way through you know my you know my teams. In Korea, students like amazing inks and animation, and like killing up my backgrounds. And have you been over to Korea? I have been. Um, how how did that kind of inform how you work on it over here? Um, oh, hugely. I mean, I I'd spoken to them before, mm-hmm. um, but it was great to get to see their studios. There's two different studios. Right. Um, I mean, they're good. They're really good. Mm-hmm. Everything is drawn on paper. Um, oh, wow. Still, it's all ink, paper. Right, um, just, just colored on computer then? Yeah, it's just Is that done in Korea as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That excites you, doesn't it, being able to like still have that tangibleness yeah. to it? Yeah. It's traditional animation. Yeah. It's traditional. So do you, do you, you, tend, to, you <laughs> tend to always work on paper then? Mm-hmm. Well, actually, we, we do a lot of stuff digitally here, mm-hmm. but everything you see is in the final is animated on really? paper. Wow. Um, I, I, you know, I do a lot of stuff digitally now, which, but I love traditional inking. Um, it's just, you can, it, I think di- digital stuff is fine for like pre-production uh, because it's like, the, I think the thing is that the ultimate resolution of an image is just having it be real. Yeah. You know, you can get closer and closer to that, but mm-hmm. the highest technology is still just two dimensions. Ink on paper. Yeah, it's yeah. still the best thing, the most uh, the sharpest best thing. Hmm. So what about mm-hmm. oh, go ahead. I was I was interested in, in your drawing space. Like do you do you work at home as well as at the studio here? Yeah. I've never been um, I've never been good at making a like a special studio space. I'm mm-hmm. always very amazed at people's awesome setups. I think I, saw, I think I saw pictures of your studio at some point ages ago, and it looked oh, r- when it was the one time rad. I was painting, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I you know I have my stuff at I have my stuff at home, and um, sometimes I'll switch. I'll I'll do stuff on paper and. Uh, you know, I, I, I finally got a, a Cintiq recently just, just so I could work at home. And I've yet to ever touch one of those. It's, it's, all, right, it's all right. It gets, uh, gets it's, it's fun. Do you, do you keep like a bookshelf of, of reference or anything next to you when you work? I have like a, 
the messiest stack of, uh -huh. of zines next to me right now that it's just what we happened to pick up at um, uh, at Zine Fest. Oh, nice. Do you um, try to go to a lot of small press shows? Yeah, that was always where that's that's always where I found everything. Yeah, because I was going to SPX when I was really young, and that's where I would trade scenes. That's where I met Lamar. He used to mm -hmm. go around in an Ultraman mask. Oh, really? Um, really awesome. And I think I traded him one of these these ancient scenes nice. when I was like fifteen. Um, that's an interesting thing I always think about is when you work in an industry like comics or animation, you are really signing up for a lifetime with the people around you. Like, you're going to know, you know, your family gets built, your kind of artistic family gets built by it, and you're probably going to know the people you're working with now until everyone's, like, old and doddering. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah, I mean, I've, you know, I've really been surprised by the people that I keep running into again and again and again. You can't get rid of them. It's fantastic because it's like you don't have to worry about you're like, oh, I have to keep in contact with this friend. It's like, no, they're doing their art. They're going to, you know, i got to get rid of them for a weekend. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's cool. I think I always believed, well, I, at least when I was doing this super really old stuff, you know, I knew, I knew it wasn't good enough. But I thought if, if you just keep doing it and you just don't stop, you're going to get better and eventually it's going to work out, right? And right, it, and it, But it seems like that it really is the truth. You just, if you just keep doing it, like, and you don't stop. It'll it'll work out. Like you'll just you you will get better. Right. Uh, and even if you don't, you'll just have so much of your stuff that it'll be impossible for people to not notice because there's just so much of it. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, it's really it really is about the work, which makes me really happy. Nice. Well, thanks for taking the time to meet with us. I think that's kind of the perfect kind of idea to end on. Um, reminder folks, I've been talking to Rebecca Sugar, and you can see Steven Universe on what nights? Oh, Wednesdays. Wednesday at nights. At 7. At 7 on Cartoon Network. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day. Yeah. Oh, before we before we let you go, I wanted to ask, were you responsible for the half-head-shaved Marceline? That was Tom. <laughs> that was Tom? Yeah. Okay. There's we a great old Tom. Tom it's, it's, it's in your haircut now is reminding me of that. Oh. Oh, thanks. <laughs> if I, I want to look like a Tom drawing. <laughs> oh,